This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got the chords if, if y'all got the vokes. Sure, hit me. Ground control to Major Tom. <laughs> um, Welcome to the Corridor cast today. We got a cool thing to thing. talk about because <laughs> it's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, why aren't you playing the Star Wars theme, Peter? Oh, I used to know it, dude. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Corridor Cast. And today we're going to be talking about deepfakes and The Mandalorian. More specifically, spoiler alert for, you know, Mandalorian Season 2. We're going to be talking a lot about Luke Skywalker. Uh, if you are a fan of the podcast and tune in regularly, hey, guess what? You get a sneak peek at the content coming out this weekend. Oh However, if you are coming from the whole weekend of Luke Skywalker stuff, welcome to the Corridor Cast. We, we like to talk about stuff. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do about today. Yeah, I feel like we about. have some new listeners in this one because we, we mentioned that we have a podcast and a VFX Artist React video. Some new croutons. <laughs> some new croutons. The truest that's right. of croutons. The truest of croutons. Croutons, yeah. C-R-E-W-T-O-N-S. So <laughs> one of the limiting things of VFX Artist React is that we cover like anywhere between three and like six different movies or clips, really, mm-hmm. scenes. And so we don't, and the videos are usually around 15 minutes or so. So we usually don't have that much time to really dive into the details and the nitty gritty of how they work. But in this episode, we got an hour to talk about stuff. So. Oh boy. I we, guess, also, uh, we usually film for like three hours too for VFX artists. I know, right? It's <laughs> like oh we film for three hours to get that 15 minutes of gold. Yeah. <laughs> That's so much editing. Oh it it is. I mean, it's the it's hardest crazy. part of the whole show is just Jeez. editing. <laughs> yeah. It takes a whole week. The, the one thing that like always gets me is like somebody will leave a comment like they didn't mention that one thing and it's like oh we did mention that one thing I know I get that too it's like I can't believe I can't believe you guys didn't like talk about this thing I was like I spent ten minutes talking about it and then Dean's like nah not interesting and cuts the whole thing I'm like dang it Dean you know what? can't argue with the editing I know it's they it's, they, it's they have good. a good eye and ear for you know when is dragon what's entertaining what's actually pushing some sort of story hmm. but or when yeah. there's a dragon in the shot <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Star Wars, am I right? Star Wars. Dude. So, yeah, Mandalorian right. season two. Um, Pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's not I bad. I liked it a lot. There, there are a couple episodes that were, one episode in particular that I didn't like at all, but several of the episodes I thought were like literal filming like masterpieces. Like oh, the Ahsoka yeah. episode was yeah. like, oh my God. Wait, which one was that? Uh, episode five, four. Was it the Ice Cave one? No, no, no. the one with the uh, other Jedi with the two white lightsabers. Oh, yeah, that one was sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but every were freaking you being, were you cinematic. Being sarcastic? What? 
Were you no, so- it was great. <laughs> but okay, every freaking cinematic universe has created like some metal uh, type of metal that's like indestructible. You got oh, yeah. vibranium. You got uh, unobtainium. You got what's the Mandalorian one? Beskar. Mandalorianium. Mandalorianium. <laughs> it's this new trope, and I'm tired of it. Etium. <laughs> yeah. Starwanium. Starwanium. Right, Starwanium. I'm done. Um, so okay, so episode. Eight, I think, of The Mandalorian, the final episode of the season. All the heroes are down on their luck. They're begging for food on the corners as a bunch of killer robots, which are the peak technology in Star Wars (laughs) at the time. Robots. uh, Coming to kill them and take their jobs. Yes. I'm I'm paraphrasing the show. And and then, of course, Luke Skywalker comes flying in on his X-Wing to save Mm -hmm. the day. And honestly, I thought that whole sequence where he was just laying waste all of them, I thought that was pretty cool. I was so excited. I thought it was good. I liked it better than the Vader scene from Rogue One. Really? Really? I like that one much better. That Vader scene is way better. (laughs) It had a lot more, like, intense, like... In intensity <laughs> it had more pizzazz i think but it was so short you know it was over yeah. in like literally 28 seconds i mean it's an emotional moment though like seeing luke skywalker come back like i don't care like i'm a jaded star wars fan at this point most people are i feel like but <laughs> like luke skywalker got me you know it's a big part of my childhood and it's a big part of why i'm even here in this room like you know recording this podcast or why everybody's mm-hmm. even listening to me it's like it's because of those movies well, you know most like yeah. baby's first vfx shot oh <laughs> lightsabers oh yeah, yeah. mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, every day for six weeks did lightsabers in Photoshop. Goodness, frame oh, by for frame. that uh, movie you guys frame. did. <laughs> yes. Wow. Dude, that's like the same as me. I don't use Photoshop. I just use After Effects. <laughs> Dude, same. I use this video editing program to edit my photos. There are a surprising amount of VFX artists who use After Effects to edit photos. It's, it's a real thing. I've, I've since yeah. learned I'm not alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, so Luke Skywalker shows up. He takes his hood off because he had hit his face through the whole action scene. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you know when his hood came off? I was like, damn, that looks pretty good. I thought the same thing. I was like, because <laughs> I actually kind of knew going into it because everyone messaged me like, you got to react to Luke Skywalker from The Mandalorian. I'm like, what? It, it's, <laughs> it's Friday morning. The episode came out hours ago. Oh These are the people God. like literally waited till midnight Thursday night to watch the episode and immediately spoil it for me online. I was like, Dude, that's Whatever. the curse you have as a, as a reacting VFX artist. I know, I know. <laughs> and it wasn't that big of a deal, but... The point is that I knew to expect Luke at the end of this. I knew that was Luke the moment like his X-Wing showed up. So I was like, okay, I, I was I was ready to judge how he looked. And my first reaction was, all right. Yeah. All right. Not yeah. bad. At first glance, it looks pretty damn good. Yeah, because he's not doing anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the moment it like it gets a little closer and he starts mm-hmm. actually like performing at all. Mm-hmm. That was when I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's he's... why it looks good. <laughs> yeah, like specifically when he talks, he's got a very stiff lip. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, like that Among first shot things. when he takes the thing off the his hood off his head, I was like, okay, not bad. Not like they bad. did a good job, of, like aging him up a little bit and giving him a, a slightly new look that stays true to him. And then like it had the grit and the detail and the, I guess what makes it look human. It, yeah. it wasn't moving. It looked really good. You could yeah, the lighting it. and the skin tone and the texture were spot on. It was yeah. just the animation. Yeah, and you know it should be worth like we should mention this. So the hardest thing to do in CG. Well, I mean, the hardest thing to do is to rotoscope a tree that's out of focus in front of your actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bush. Anyone who's not oh. an effects artist will have no idea what that means, but it is the absolute truth. Oh, my God. 3D conversion artists. Dude, I'm oh, so yeah. sorry. Those poor Indian children. Oh, boy. All right. Second hardest thing, slash the actual hardest thing in CG, is to make a digital human being. Well, 
you can make a digital human being. The hard part is making it look real. Mm-hmm. Like we've been doing that. Like that is the holy grail of visual effects. The closest we've gotten is Gemini Man. I mean, once again, 60%, 70% of the movie, it doesn't look real. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe 50%. But there's parts that do look flawless. And they actually have shots where both dudes, like the old and young Will Smith, were both 100% CG. What? And I didn't realize it until after I watched it. Why? I, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Ang Lee shot the whole thing in like true stereoscopic 120 frames per second. Oh and then they're goodness. like, oh, we can totally tell the actors aren't punching each other because we can see depth in our shots. So you can't stack punches. And we have such high frame rates that you can tell that <laughs> the oh reactions don't line up. So they're just like, I guess we'll do the whole thing in CG. That's ridiculous. It's so bad. Uh, I would argue that another like perfect uh, CG human is in logan yes. when the yes. wolverine that's, comes that's down my the stairs one, yeah. yes. it's, it's just like i was blown away but I that's thought not it was much like different a... than agent smith from the matrix series like it's just the cg head on a dude it is it, it is yeah it wasn't it's, it, the techn- as far as the technology is the same same thing with uh what's her face from blade runner 2049 yeah mm-hmm. they are still computer generated heads neck skin rendering hair rendering eye rendering all that stuff is generated with intention behind it and yeah. animated mm-hmm. um and yeah i honestly th- that was literally the thesis of my of my vfx what was the thing TED oh yeah talk? a ted talk yeah my <laughs> my ted so talk humble. that i did the tedx talk at upenn was it was literally about how like this stuff isn't just a matter of you know pressing a button it takes a lot of care and specifically the hardest thing to do is a human face and make it realistic because you can get it to 99.9 percent good and it's still not enough. Yeah, it that's needs the to be 100%. whole point. It has to be one hundred percent. Yeah, because we've spent millions of years evolving by recognizing each other's faces. Mm-hmm. Anything that's off is immediately like I can tell. <laughs> yeah. It's the whole eighty twenty rule too. It takes twenty percent of your time to get eighty percent of the way there. It takes eighty percent of your time to get the rest of the twenty percent. So sad. Yeah, or, or in this case, it's the the point one percent of the work like takes ninety nine point nine percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. So you know the big thing though is that these humans that have looked good, the one in Logan, the one in Blade Runner. They are, they're not performing. They're just, they're very, like, they're basically wax models at that point, you yeah. know? Um, Although I went back and watched some of the Weapon X, I think was his name, in, in Logan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, he's mostly obscured by action. So mm-hmm. moving camera, motion blur. Uh, there are a few times when he is, like, pinned down, and he's, like, snarling. He's like, like this. And it looks very good. Yeah. But we always only remember that one shot where he's coming down the stairs because that was the one they put all of their the time and resources shot. in. That was, that was yeah. the money shot. You know, mm-hmm. that was like, all right, you got you to have one shot that looks good. This is the one. <laughs> yeah. So, a great shot. I mean, what makes human heads so hard to do in CGI outside of the fact that we are biologically wired to identify a single thing being wrong with them <laughs> is that you have a lot of crazy physics simulations going on on the human head. Well, one, you have thousands and thousands of hairs (laughs) over the whole thing which are all slightly translucent so already you're dealing with crazy physics of hairs and crazy physics of light you're also dealing with uh rigid body dynamics aka your skeleton and then you have soft body dynamics on top of that which is basically all your flesh and your skin and it's different densities of soft bodies and technically even fluid dynamics because (laughs) there's water in your eyes and in your mouth (laughs) So the whole thing gets really complicated because even like if you're watching this podcast with video, like on, our, on the YouTube channel, when I talk, my head moves. It's moving because my jaw moves. It moves because my chest moves. It moves because the hands move. Like it's all attached. Like you can spend all your time animating a head, but if you haven't even thought about the hands, well, then what's the head motion going to be based on? Like 
my hands move my head. My feet move my my hands. Like my whole body's connected. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're sitting there like as an artist who specializes in face animations. And it's like, well, but are you getting your physics right for your hand animations? Do your ears wiggle at the appropriate amount for the soft body <laughs> dynamics? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yep. Well, like, you know, for for animation of animals and whatnot, people, we've gotten really good over the last, you know, 20 years doing that. I think mostly yeah. pioneered by Weta and whatnot. I think actually Andrew Kramer talked about this in the recent hmm. episode about that. And it's like it it all starts with like animating the bone sked like skeleton. Like mm-hmm. the literal bones, not <clears throat> like just like a digital bones. representation, like actual physically modeled. You bones. know, everyone yep. in the audience probably took that literally, <clears throat> except for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair, <laughs> You're like, fair, oh, fair. I'm used to working with digital skeletons. Like <laughs> not an actual like spooky bones skeleton. Spooky bones. But, really? Real quick, if you think about it, all animators are just digital taxidermists. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I gotta yeah. go. <laughs> but okay, so on top of those bones, though, you uh, you can't just like download a three D model and just animate it and expect it to actually look like that realistic of, of like a biological being. You have mm-hmm. to actually first off model the placement and simulate how those of all the muscles on a body, and then simulate how those muscles actually expand when they contract because it's got a certain amount of mass. It doesn't get shorter; it contracts. And that means as it gets shorter, it actually gets wider. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to make sure you got all your muscles across the chest, the back, the neck, in, in the case of a face, the dozens of muscles or hundreds. I don't know how many muscles are in your face, but a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. And so once you simulate all of that, then you put a giant cloth over all of it. And, <laughs> and that's where your skin comes in because the skin isn't just like moving up and down. It's actually sliding across that muscle. Yeah. And, and, it's and that's what you're seeing. points too. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically have to have an entirely anatomically correct 3D model inside your little render engine in order for it to look real. And then you yep. got to make sure that your skin shaders are good. You got to make sure that you got the right proper amount of like subsurface scattering as the light hits the skin and mm-hmm. goes through it and all that stuff. And guess what? We already can do all that just fine. <laughs> like not we, I mean like the industry as a whole, like ILM, Weta, uh, Lola, like all these companies can already do that. Mm-hmm. And yet... It's still not at 100%. <laughs> so what is missing? Well, also, I mean, it's a crazy thing that through all those technical things you described, you still have to match the likeness of somebody also. <gasps> yeah, no kidding, right? Like starting with their skull. <laughs> like, what does their <laughs> skull look like? Is this going to influence where the muscles go? <laughs> like, I mean, this. I think what we're really just building up to here is we're trying to explain how hard and kind of why it's hard, how hard it is and why it's hard to build a digital human being. Yeah. So that's actually led to a lot of different approaches. For example, if you look at uh, the Matrix Revolutions and the Matrix Reloaded, so they have all these Agent Smith clones. And the situation you're dealing with there is that you have to make a bunch of digital heads, but you don't have to invent a head from nothing. Hugo Weaving exists with his hair and makeup and sunglasses, his cool sunglasses <laughs> and his tuxedo uh, right there. And you can scan them and you can plop them off to the side. I guess Sorry. it's not a tuxedo. It's, it's a suit. <laughs> it's a suit. All right. All those FBI men in their tuxedos. Looks so suave. That's the CIA, man. The spies get to wear the tuxedos. Yeah. Um, so in that case, what they did is they basically filmed him with multiple cameras and he did the like emotions um, and they basically just did photogrammetry. They rebuilt each each pose, each frame of each pose in 3D using multiple angles that are, all, that are covering at the same time. And they just stuck those 3D models on top. So all the wrinkles, all the dynamics, all the animation, all the likeness, even the texture, 
That's all captured from Hugo Weaving himself. You're basically just getting 3D scans and yeah. then plopping the 3D basically scan. like a 3D photograph. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is insane to capture all that data because us doing like one photo scan takes about an hour to process <laughs> all of that data. And so to do like 24 frames per second times how many seconds would just be like an insane amount of data? But to are handle. they are they actually doing that in a, like a real time thing sort of thing? Or are they just? It's not real time. No. Well, I meant like let me rephrase. Uh, you're suggesting that they're actually capturing a frame every second from all those cameras. I th- I thought you were going to say that they just got uh, like destination poses. No, it was instance. a full motion performance. Full motion, twenty four frames per second. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's Wild. that's pretty crazy. Forty and also, terabytes that was per 18 shot. Eighteen years ago. Yeah, forty terabytes <laughs> per shot. 40 terabytes per <laughs> shot 18 years ago oh my god <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah so that's one way to do it that's one way to do it the nice thing is that your 3d model looks perfect the downside is that you are stuck having to just simply replicate something you already have yeah which is really... why it works so well the other way to do it is kind of a newer way that it's a little complicated and i'm not going to explain it perfectly because i don't have my head fully wrapped around it but basically it's how ilm does a lot of their stuff these mm-hmm. days uh, um, are you talking like the grand moff tarkin and princess leia shots from rogue one a little bit and then also the irishman yes okay yes. okay so what they end up doing is they uh because in that case you are dealing with the 3d model of something that doesn't exist I mean, I guess back in the day, young Robert De Niro existed, but young Robert De Niro does not exist right now. So young they... Robert De Niro is dead. <laughs> and to be fair, young Robert De Niro looks like 40-year-old Robert De Niro, so <laughs> there's a certain point where they just have to, they can stop and they're good enough. Um, but in this case, you know, so they make the 3D model, they get it looking as close as they can, and then they basically sculpt it into poses. Um, and they're looking at reference of Robert De Niro, and you still have all this references, which is great, but you're, you're basically moving into different poses. And then you have an AI-based pose estimator that will basically scan him. Like, you'll re- you record his face with, once again, multiple cameras, same way they did Agent Smith 18 years ago. <laughs> record his face with multiple cameras. You basically get a 3D model from that. But then the AI takes that, and it, and it uses its AI to pick out the perfect pose match through all the different combinations of, oh. like, morphing and warping the other face that's already been built. Oh, my goodness. So- Real quick, like that's a term that gets thrown around pretty often, and yeah. we understand what it means in this context. But like, just to quickly explain what that means, when you say an AI does that, what exactly does that mean? Like, so we're talking, so like, let's say I smile, right? And you want a 3D model of my head that's me when I'm like 100 years old. That's I'm, I'm doing a time travel movie, right? And we have digital Nico's 100 years old. So somebody, you know, maybe they scan my head, and then an artist goes in and manipulates it to look, make it look like it's old. Well, okay, so now they need to give it some poses. So, like, they need to give it a smile pose, a blink pose, a frown fo- pose, you know, like a mouth open, a, you know, the E sound, the A sound, etc. So you have all these different poses. Now, the challenge becomes, if you want to derive those poses with video, a computer needs to somehow take the shapes of your face and, you know, make that the shapes of the other 3D face. Now, for something like your iPhone, if you have an iPhone, you have animojis and all that kind of stuff, which is doing just that. But that's basically just doing a basic, like, if the mouth is wide, turn the smile slider up. (laughs) But that's not how human faces actually work. Like, people make their mouth go wide sometimes to smile, sometimes because they're about to run into a wall at 100 miles an hour. Like, (laughs) there's a lot of reasons why you make the shapes with your face that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... (laughs) Running at 100 miles an hour, the shape is... (laughs) (laughs) So the thing is, um, when they capture these performances, they need to figure out what collection of morph shapes or basically poses will replicate the shape that they're capturing and a computer is just really good at identifying that a computer is not that good at identifying it with just normal 
functions, it needs an AI to be like two percent blink and three percent smile and well, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, what frown. is that AI? It's like you know, AI stands for artificial intelligence, but right. like what what that just means is that it's a program that's been specifically trained trained to yes. do this. So it's like, all right. It's got the whole Rocky uh, routine where, you know, drinks eggs and runs upstairs. And it's like at the end of the day, it's like, all right, I am a program that is very good at estimating poses. Yes. And that's the only thing it can do. Yes, exactly. And to get there, it's, you know, you train it through trial and error and trial and error until it's like, OK, now it's getting it figured out. And it's right. weird that with this new like training process before it's like aside from processing things like you would ask a computer to do something and it would just do it instantly but mm. now it has to actually train like a person <laughs> over a long period of time and learn yes. which is just wild it's becoming more human-like it's super crazy and it's just because you learning. know computers have gotten not just faster but um they have more processing you know more processors because we kind of we hit the top level speed of like one a single processor more or less you know a little while ago it's still getting better but not the way it was but we made up for it just by putting a hundred of them on a chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does that 3090 have? 124 or something? I don't know. No, we have the Threadripper, the AMD Risen Threadripper. Oh, okay. The CPU yeah. has, see, has 64 physical cores and 128 logical cores. Jesus. Which like really took me by surprise when I was working on it. I'm like, wait, how many cores do I want to use? 128 cores? <laughs> is that that's not what I think it is. Like the last time I the last time I had that option, my my height, my, my max level was 16. Wow. <laughs> so I wow. went, I'm like this should be like 24 at most <laughs> yeah okay but so for the irishman and whatnot it all starts with a real human performance right and so for you know grand moff tarkin in rogue one they put dots across the dude's face right and then they just they had him actually do the performance i forget the guy's name who uh was the actor for that and uh yeah he literally just did the entire show uh as himself with the rig uh capturing his facial movements so that they can actually use that to animate the digital face that they would then replace his whole head with. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as we were talking about, that's not quite enough. And so now, all right, deep fix. Well, actually, right? can I just point out one thing? There's a problem that happens when you drive performances with people's skin. Yes. Okay. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and this is absolutely yeah. important. I see it all the time. Uh -huh. And like I've, for the longest time I've been trying to put my finger on it. Cause we, we do, we analyze this stuff all the time in VFX RS react. And one of the challenges that we face in that show is put into words, the problem that you're seeing, <laughs> which at a certain point, like if ILM has done the shot, like how are you going to manage to put into words what they couldn't, <laughs> you know, like how do you break down what the problem is? And like, and that's a, that's a huge challenge when we get to the high level stuff. But there's this one thing, like, about faces animated faces and they seem kind of slidey and weird it's like how do you describe it what's the problem and i think it's what we just said it's that they are driving performance from the skin but your face isn't driven from the skin so like for example if i smile you know and then you map that to another 3d model it's going to pull the lips back kind of from the skin direction rather than the muscles beneath tightening and pulling the flesh up like a fleshy curtain, <laughs> you know, into the corners of the stage that is your yeah. smile. It's kind of like 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 inverse kinematics, but for skin. Inverse skinematics. Hey. <laughs> yes. So well, I had never thought about that. That's so true. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's among once again among the many other phenomena that are happening when you move your facial muscles. Mm -hmm. You know, like the one that always gets me is from Gemini Man. How Weta talked about. You know, when you engage your muscles, it squeezes blood out of them and it changes the color 
And you can see that when people like go like this and then mm-hmm. relax their forehead, you'll see the lines. Yeah. Like <laughs> blood was squeezed out. Yeah. Without that, like those are the things that you don't realize until you do the whole shot. And you're like, it still doesn't look real. What's wrong with it? And you're like, <laughs> oh, the blood should be pushed out of the parts of the skin that are bunched up from the muscles. Like, what? And it's like, that, that's probably a pretty easy fix. It's probably just like a color map that's generated from like, you know, kind of like ambient occlusion is just like, yeah. oh, these two surfaces of the skin have gotten close to each other. Make that a little lighter and then have like a, a timed release. It's all probably just done kind of similar to like wet maps, for instance, yeah. for like mm-hmm. wet pieces of ground or surfaces. My point is that it... it it's probably far more complicated than this, but I feel like it's probably an easy solution to a uh, an unknown problem. Right, until exactly. It's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> now we can easily see all these things to try to fix that, and then it's probably pretty hard. But they, it was probably very achievable. Yeah, but you had to have somebody put their finger on it. First. Exactly. Yeah, us as humans are so good at identifying when something looks wrong, but we're not we're not that good at identifying what looks wrong or why. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to the Mandalorian. Yes. First, I think we should talk about. What makes a good, what makes a bad. Okay, and and probably also how we think they did it, because right. I want to talk about that, because... Dude, I keep flip-flopping. I, you know, we... Okay, so we shot this episode of VFX Artist React, what, like two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. One week ago? Yeah. Like last week. Yeah. And this is... By the time you guys are all seeing this, it's been like maybe two weeks since we did that episode. And a few days since we recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Totally lost my train of thought with that. Well, we're, so, we're, we don't know how they did it. Right, yeah. So Disney has been incredibly tight-lipped with how a lot of that stuff is done. I follow several effects artists from ILM and people who actually worked on on stage at uh, on 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 the Mandalorian, like the Mm -hmm. stagecraft stuff and the volume, and like they are all super tight-lipped. They're not allowed to talk about any of this stuff, and so because of it, there is no information online about how they did it. There's a few things we do know for a fact that they have released. We know that there was a stand-in actor. Mark Hamill was on set but he was not the actual performer that you see on screen. So there, we do know that there was a head replacement. And we also know, (laughs) (laughs) we also know that the person who was on, uh, who was performing had dots on their face. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of the extent of what we know. I, you know, if it had been traditional CG, there's no reason they would keep that secret. That's the thing. They've done that a million times. We do know that Disney does not want us to know that there's something that they know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We also know that this summer, this past summer of 2020, Disney released a technical paper on their own method of doing deep fakes, hmm. which has been which has since been co-opted by the app FaceSwap. Do you mean their own method as in a different like kind of processing than the deep fakes we use slightly, or just like a different software that does the same thing? It's a slightly different process. Yeah. Um, and even the deep fake software, it I mean, there's development that's gone to the software, but it's still just based on the architecture and the process of the very first deepfake. So I think it's more of instead of like the difference between like, say, After Effects and Fusion, like Blackmagic Fusion, or mm-hmm. let's let's say the difference between Final Cut Pro and Premiere Pro. Or Microsoft Word and Google Docs. Or, okay, my, <laughs> sure. My point is that it's less that and more the difference between Macintosh and Windows. Yeah. They're both operating systems, but the way they are actually structured from the inside are different. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like it's 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 the realm of academics and research at this point. Because you're dealing with like, well, if we approach an AI structured like this with these kind of layers, when we go through this process, we get this result. But if we do an AI structured like this with these kind of layers in this process, Mm -hmm. we get this result. (laughs) That's what they're doing. You know? Yeah. So so those are those are two different deep fake things. But 
So for the Mandalorian, honestly, my first like analysis of that scene was that it wasn't a deep fake. Interesting. And I, I kind of like kind of died on that hill. Like I was like, like there are people on Twitter who are like, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's a deep fake. I thought it was a deep fake. And I was like, no, it's definitely not a deep Dude, fake. I'm with you now. You will lose this bet, sir. <laughs> that is not a deep fake. And and so I've since learned that uh, and I've since agreed that we do think it is huge asterisk deep fake <laughs> yes but there is a lot more to it than just that and i think that's partly mm. why i was misidentifying it because it's not just a deep fake see the first time i watched it i'm like oh it's a deep fake and then when i went back to watch i'm like wait maybe it's not so you had the opposite that's reaction so strange okay <laughs> and i think part of us i think all of us want to believe a little bit that there's some sort of deep fakery going on in it because i think we're all tired of just another cg head <laughs> being put on a body and getting us 95 percent of the way there yeah. like i i think we all want to see something brand new and inventive but i think why ren changed why you changed your mind ren and why i changed my mind is that it's actually both <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about this in the vfx react episode but we have since studied that shot like you and know, we still don't know we still don't know but, but we're, we we think <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about why it might be a deep fake like what is it that makes it a deep fake like why why isn't it just a 3d model what makes it different than a 3d model Ain't that the question of Ain't the day? Ain't that the question? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, first, I'm, I'm, I feel like I should explain why I think it was a 3D model. Okay, okay. And okay. it was because, like, the head shape was pretty good. I was like, okay, that it's, it's Mark Hamill's head. And the animation was very, very minimal. I think they learned their lesson from, like, Leia mm. of, like, all right, the more you have him talk, it's going to—it's it's, it's not going to look good. And that was what it was. I was like, wow, the talking just looks very, like, keyframed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, honestly, it was the— the skin it just didn't quite look it didn't quite have that photo real rendering quality to me it kind of looked it had a little bit more of that and again every time i go back and look at it i change my mind so it's hard for me to say but at first it just kind of looked a little too plasticky to me mm. and it made me also kind of wonder if maybe it was an actual like 3d head with a projection of luke's face onto it that's what i hmm. kind of see the more i look at it really okay like but, a 2.5D projection type thing. Yeah, like a 2.5D projection type mm. thing. Because the thing is, this is for a show. Like, this isn't for a movie. This is for, for all intents and purposes, a TV show. And to do a digital a human, not to mention Luke Skywalker as your digital human, who has not been in a movie <laughs> as young Luke Skywalker outside of that briefest of flashbacks. For in like uh, 40 years. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the most iconic characters in the world that has been sitting there and everybody's been trying to figure out how do I bring him back? <laughs> how do I make some money off of Luke Skywalker? Disney's like, well, we're going to take a shot here. So like, but to do this for a TV show is pretty nuts because any other situation, you're basically looking at spending millions of dollars, hiring teams of at, probably at least a hundred people to get you a 3d model that moves and looks and appears to be a person. Mm-hmm. So to just go the 3d model route seems completely impossible. Just because it would require so much in so order much. just to get to a baseline yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Time consumption wise. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like for, for Rogue One, it's like this is a full on multi hundred million dollar movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a budget for that. They probably and a had a long time to work on yeah, it. Yeah, like two yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. They and probably had three weeks to do that shot, maybe four. For Mandalorian? Mm hmm. Again. Don't estimates know. we don't know estimates <laughs> but it could have been a, a rush job it could have been something that they actually have been working on for the last six months could be but i do know that they basically had to turn around the whole season in like a year mm-hmm. and with that in mind if you have eight episodes 
I mean, filming that thing is probably going to take 40 days. Um, so that's, you know, two months out of your year, almost gone right there. <laughs> so now we got 10 months. <laughs> it's like, then you got to edit the whole thing. You get your edit into a spot where it's kind of locked. Like there's another two months. It pretty quickly boils down to you have one month to do the visual effects. Um, once again, I could be totally wrong. Maybe there's a little more time there. I'm sure there's also research happening, but you still have to even have the scripts written before you know what you have to research. Um, but it puts you in an even tighter spot. You know, not only do you not have the budget of a movie, you don't have the time of a movie. So how do you create a digital human in that time? Slavery. And, <laughs> slavery. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. That's, that's a bad joke. <laughs> um, and I think that's, I mean, just like how stagecraft was a kind of a revolutionary thing that helped them solve a problem. That's where I feel like deep fakes are that thing. But the 2.5 projection is almost the same thing because to me, it when I looked is, at it, yeah. why I didn't think it was a 3d model is the texture. It's like, there's so much detail mm -hmm. in the picture of his face. Yeah. It looks photo real. Looks as photo a still. Real. Yeah. Now either somebody sat there in Photoshop and made a single picture and they projected <laughs> it onto his face, which is very unlikely because it's so inflexible. Cause once again, this is also a TV show. They probably want a system, a method that works for more scenes, you know, mm -hmm. and this is just them starting with that. Like, to get a 3D model looking like that, like that, but then to not have it be fully animated doesn't make sense or even fully lit. So this is the this is the other thing, though, is that when you look at the lighting, like outside of the texturing and everything, the lighting's very smooth. It's like it doesn't quite match the rest of the scene. Everybody, like, look at Grogu. Look at the Mandalorian. Like, look at the lighting. It's and how, a lot like, more harsh lighting on everyone yeah. else. And he's and Luke's very soft. It doesn't even match his, like, robe, really. Yeah, that, that was the kind of hmm. thing that... that made me is it felt like the brightness values were off across his face versus the rest of the shot like his his robe was much darker yeah and it just kind of looked like his face was just br lifted yeah and that could have been like a color grading thing i don't know yeah. could have been but that's the thing that, that's a flag that says hey i'm not a 3d model okay it's like a 3d model is like you want to cast a, a shadow on a 3d model <laughs> yeah you can do that for days like we got shadows galore they can be they can be the sharpest the fuzziest it doesn't matter <laughs> shadows are easy reflections yeah you can make them chrome if you want to but like to do a 3D model and like not light it at all. <laughs> Chrome Walker. And it's much more like a warpy image. That's once again, it's like, what's going on here? This does this isn't your average 3D thing. Yeah. So warping an image is also like way too janky. So there's gotta be something going on. And it's just like when you connect the dots of like, hey, they've done deep fake research, trying to figure out it just it feels like it's a deep fake process, but what they did is recorded a dude, put a CG Luke head on top of him. And then deep faked on the CG head to get their deep fake. That's what it feels like. That's what kind of the sense which, that I get from it. Which also, it makes sense. Like it does make sense because you, uh, the main uh, things that a CG Luke Skywalker will lack will be detail, right. and that's mm. where uh, a deep fake will shine. It'll bring back that detail. It'll do the little folds in your eyelids. It'll do all those little like the, the moles on his on Luke's face, the little scar on but his you could, lip. You could achieve that with texture work. Sure. But if you, you have enough time and effort. If you have and, enough time and effort. But what you probably won't be able to achieve is the exact way that Mark Hamill's eyelids fold when he drops his eyebrows mm -hmm. down. All the mm. physics of the face. Yeah, the way the corners of his mouth curl when he talks. And you know. so and, we're saying that this CG head would be animated the same way like Lola has been doing faces in the past. where it's Probably simpler even. Simpler like the iPhone Animojis way where it's you have some morph targets and you have an AI analyze the footage and apply those morph targets to I think the 3D just, model. I, I mean, looking at the show, I think it's just an animator. Just really? straight up like dialed in the keyframes. Yeah, by I hand. mean, those like the mouth going from like closed to smiling or whatever is very smooth and uniform. And it hits a pose. Mm -hmm. If you look at his mouth, like in frame by frame, you'll see it hit a pose each time. And the whole mouth hits it at the same time and then changes directions at the same time. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is why we think it is that process. So it's it's 
3D head and then a deep fakes and then a deep fake on top of that. And so mm-hmm. and that's what we end up seeing. But the end result like looks pretty good, but it's still off enough that people like a lot of people I follow on Twitter were having like an adverse reaction yeah. to. They're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, wow." Like yeah. like my favorite reaction was Jimmy Wong's reaction. <laughs> he was like, "How come the dudes at South Park did that sassy justice video and did deep fakes that look a million times better than what Disney is putting out in the Mandalorian. Like why, why, why? Mm. Yeah. How come Nico? Is this a setup? How come Nico? (laughs) And I basically was like, listen, people just assume, excuse me, people just assume (laughs) that, (laughs) excuse me, I need to yell once in a while. I get a lot of rage built up. People, okay, people just assume that all of these VFX warehouses are already at the forefront of technology research when it comes to all this stuff. And the reality is that over the last couple of years, that's not exactly the case, mm-hmm. specifically when it comes to deep fakes, because no one really knows how they're doing it. It's just a bunch of like white papers online that <laughs> people with free time are like, yeah, sure, I'll do this in my free time. Whereas, you know, a studio, they have production workflows they have a pipeline and they have deadlines and and budgets that they cannot really they don't have that much room to maneuver and experiment yeah, they that will much face with. legal action if they don't meet their deadline yeah yeah so it's like and 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 so i don't think people realize that deep fakes aren't quite at a point yet or at least they haven't been where they can be easily implemented into the workflow of a studio proper yeah uh whereas deep voodoo the company behind Sassy Justice, which you are affiliated with, mm-hmm. they it's the only company on the planet that is a deep fake specialized company, and they hired all of the deep fake artists that are good. <laughs> they yeah. like everyone on YouTube that you're like, hey, that guy made a cool deep fake. Well, chances are he probably works at Deep Voodoo now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and just just to talk about Deep Voodoo for a second. So last year, I had the opportunity of working with uh, this new company that the South Park people started. I call Deep Voodoo Effects. And the idea behind Deep Voodoo is for them to, I mean, I don't, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but basically what they have announced publicly is the idea of the company is to basically deliver the promise of, you know, deep learning based visuals. Um, deep fakes being an example of that. Because uh, the thing about AI, and I mean, I'm, I'm kind of using AI a little inappropriately here. Deep learning or machine learning mm-hmm. is what we're talking about here. Machine learning is... When you boil down, it's the computer training. It's trying something, it fails. Try something, does a little bit better. Try something, does a little bit better. Eventually, gets good yeah, at doing and something. Iterating, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, in a nutshell, <laughs> it's machine learning. Um, a very tiny, simplified nutshell. <laughs> so the problem with with deep learning, though, is that the system you build, it's you put something in and you get something out. You don't control the guts because the computer, computer does that. That's what the training's for. But in the world of like film, or heck, even just in the world of business, like you need control. You know, you don't like, let's say the director's like, all right, I want a nice, beautiful, stormy sky. And the AI generates a perfect stormy sky. And the director's like, ah, I want the cloud on the left. And he was like, well, I don't do that. I just <laughs> give you what I give you and you have to deal with it. Nah, dude. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the challenge with AI. And that's partially why it's just not everywhere yet in visual effects or anything. I mean, there's actually there's a bunch of reasons, but the deep the deep voodoo guys and that company, you know, their goal is to tackle this this process of being able to let you use you know or let you get cool visuals and creative things from deep learning machine learning yeah and the thing that we focused on this past year was uh was deep fakes um so if you check out the sassy justice youtube channel you'll get to see some of that in action um which are objectively some of the best deep fakes released ever oh yeah, yeah definitely that 
that the Trump deepfake slash sassy justice deepfake, there's nothing else like that out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, looks amazing. And it's not just a like, it's not like there's a, you know, hey, we have a secret, 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 secret program. You know, it's like <laughs> it's people that know what they're doing from the very start to the very end and having worked it all out. Yeah, because they have, have a lot of experience. Plus, when you guys are all working together, you come up with your own sort of like methods to even make things better. Yeah. And and so it's like that. And that's why. Yeah. Those artists are not working at Island. They're not working <laughs> at, you know, Pixamundo or MPC or yeah. Weta or Lola. And so, you know, it really comes. This is a really good example of it really depends on the person rather than like the prestige of a team. You know, right. it's like I'm sure that any number of those people working at those companies, if they sat down and actually just started focusing on learning how to do this, it could easily become a good deep fake artist. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. But Nico's been not. teaching the me in the last week and I feel like I, I, <laughs> I, I I'm like halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also the challenge with deepfakes too is that there's no manual. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no history behind it. It's there's, literally there's, everything you're learning, you are figuring out potentially for the first time <laughs> on the planet. But yeah, um, yeah, the, working with the Deep Voodoo team was amazing, though. Like everybody there is incredible. And yeah, looking at the Mandalorian, it's like, oh, but what if what if? Yeah. Speaking of what if what if <laughs> what if we tried to do the Mandalorian <laughs> shot? Indeed. What if we tried to do the Mandalorian shot? And made it better. So as of, <laughs> as of recording this podcast, this is Tuesday, uh, the yeah. day before the presidential inauguration, uh, 2021. That is the day of the week. And uh, <laughs> this is coming out on Thursday, and the deepfake stuff will be coming out over the weekend. We got VFX Artist React Saturday. Ideally, if all goes to plan, the crew episode talking about all this stuff comes out on Sunday. And that video is where our time has been spent the last week or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've been setting out to do our version of The Mandalorian and to try to do the hardest thing in visual effects, and that's to replicate a human being. Yes. No, okay, no, quick to point out. Uh, other people on YouTube have already deepfaked Luke Skywalker from The Mandalorian. They've already done their own deepfake on that. Mm-hmm. What's the core problem with that, though, Nico? The core, well, the core problem with it, look... I don't want to say there's a problem with it. Look, Shamook, if you're watching this, we're talking about you, okay? <laughs> oh, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> no, that's not the core... Like, the core thing most is that... Most of the work's already been... Yeah, most of the work's already been done. That's what it I'm saying. It looks better. The deep fake on top of Luke and Mandalorian looks so much better for most of it. For most of it. And there so are like, bits where it falls apart, like the stiffness of the lips. Yes. When you look at the, the, the performance, it goes from... What was already pretty cardboard and stiff and stiff to just straight up, it's just stone faced. <laughs> it's like the lips move like a millimeter. But those highlights are way sharper. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. the, just the detail around the eyelids looks better, and mm-hmm. the lighting looks better. Like looks more like a person. But it, like we had, yeah. we saw the same thing with like Princess Leia. You know, like Island put all of this money and effort into making a uh, a Princess Leia from A New Hope look mm-hmm. photoreal again, and it's like eh. But then someone threw a deep fake on it with a, you know, like you see the media sites like, like, oh, guy fixed um, Superman's mustache with a $500 PC. Why couldn't they have done that? It's like, well, okay, it's already pretty good. It's like most of the way there. And then when you throw a deep fake on top of it, it just makes it better. And I think Mm -hmm. by the third time, they're like, all right, we're going to do CG Luke. And no one's going to tell us a deep fake this time because we're going to deep fake it ourselves. And it's like, well, I deep faked your deep fake and looks better. It's like, ah! <laughs> but it does beg the question. It's like, okay, if why it looked better it? with a deep fake, why didn't they do that? That's a good then? question. That's a good question. And when when you think about it, why didn't they do that? And it's maybe because they don't really have much of a deep faking team. 
working on yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's like we are literally, <laughs> literally, literally on the frontier of machine learning and visual effects. And it just, that frontier. stuff doesn't exist yet. But that is part of what I really like about Star Wars, especially like Mandalorian, is that like it is the the location for pushing VFX boundaries. Seriously. Between the, the stagecraft, all of the, the crazy, you know, things that they had to pioneer for, for the show to yeah, be so efficient. Volume. The freaking volume. Volume's people, I feel neat. like people aren't psyched enough about the volume. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. To be fair, I feel like everybody in the industry is all like, hey, you got a volume? Hey, we got any of those volumes around. Okay, okay. I guess I'm talking <laughs> I, I feel to like people. it's been getting I guess I'm just, I've just been talking to Nico, who is very anti-volume. <laughs> and I'm upset, right, about anti-volume. It. I'm upset about it. <laughs> no, well, I'm upset about it. I'm not Nico's anti-volume. Nico's not anti-volume. <laughs> Nico just can very easily come across as very jaded about a lot of things. <laughs> and as soon as he's, like, tired of hearing about something, he's officially jaded. <laughs> and we've heard a lot about the volume over the last year, too, because yeah. it's like it has been the biggest technology to come out in filmmaking over the last couple decades. Mm-hmm. It's certainly the most exciting thing, in my opinion. In my defense, part of my jadedness comes from the other dudes at the studio here going, hey, let's build a volume. I'm like, guys, we don't need a volume. They're like, no, we could do so many cool things. So they're like, guys, it's like, gonna be so hard to build a volume but Nico can do so many cool things one of us are actually saying we should build a volume we know how much it costs the stagecraft from uh for Mandalorian that's like a hundred million dollar set like we don't have here's my thing is we only we just need one wall just one wall. <laughs> just one wall. Just one wall. We don't even need a just floor. We just need one wall. I am, we can I use am LEDs hoping, for the rest. Yeah, I am hoping to experiment a little bit <laughs> with using our giant TV as a background, yep. which is nothing new. Like, we've been able to do that for a while. The thing yeah. that sets the stagecraft apart is the fact that the TV is bright and it's large. Mm-hmm. It's the brightness that really matters because that's what actually affects the lighting. Yeah. It has to be like an HDR TV. Yeah, well, I mean, no, no, no it has to be a, like TV. an actual like, concert display panel. Yeah, uh. like it has to actually be an LED light rather than just a, a lit pixel. <laughs> I yeah. didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and the density of those LED lights has to be high enough so you don't get any band. Yeah, just a couple years before they started actually filming The Mandalorian, the technology for the LEDs wasn't quite there. It was, the LEDs weren't dense enough. And so what you ended up with was that moire effect. You know, anytime mm-hmm. you take a picture of your computer monitor and you get like those weird rainbow lines, <laughs> that's what they were getting on their cinema cameras behind the actors using mm-hmm. the screens. Is you had to be far enough away to not get that. Hey, I mean, yeah. we're putting our stuff on YouTube. 1080p, <laughs> lawless resolution. All right. <laughs> With rainbows in the background. <laughs> Nico's Look, deliver officially me, Deliver me a Mandalorian <laughs> season script and I will get you the volume. Easy. <laughs> Easy. The quality of those scripts. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Um, okay. But here's the thing. We've been working on something, I think, pretty big these past two weeks. Yeah. Because when you looked at that Luke's shot, it looked good when it wasn't moving. But once it started moving, it was super stiff. The lighting was very static and flat not really physically accurate and it's basically just like kind of just having a picture there move around a little <laughs> bit and you know what we know that we can deep fake Luke Skywalker I mean people already know that people can deep fake stuff and I'm sure people are like well, why don't they just deep fake the scene that wouldn't get us there just deep faking the shot wouldn't get us there I mean you can put a deep fake on a deep fake but that's great good job you had a, you just had people blow millions of dollars getting you that shot and then you put a deep fake on top of it and made it 2% better and granted it's better but that's not the same thing. That's that's you just putting a filter on it, basically. Like, we wanted to take it from the ground up and do the effect and try to do it how we would approach it's it. It's like, pretend we were sitting in their shoes. Yes. All right, we are now the production team going into filming the final episode of The Mandalorian. We are both the on-set VFX supervisors shooting the shot and the VFX artists doing the shot. Yes. How would we have done it differently? Granted, we don't know how they did it, but this is how we would have done it. 
and we did it. Yes. And the thing is, visual effects is still a magic trick. There's a lot of visual effects that just work, right? But a good visual effect is still a magic trick. And it's not something you just do after the fact. It's something you do in conjunction with the filmmakers, in conjunction with the story. It's, you know, the director shouldn't just ever throw you the shot and be like, ah, put an explosion in. That You're going to get garbage. And that's honestly why a lot of VFX shots are garbage. So in this case, we had to think about, like, from the very beginning, how are we going to film this to make it look more real? And not in the way that they did it in The Mandalorian. It was like, well, we'll just have him stand still <laughs> and not move at all. It's like, no, no, no. That, how do we make it even more lifelike? How do, we, how do we breathe vibrance into Luke Skywalker and make him feel like he's there? Well, answer number one, lighting. <laughs> you know, this is a thing they talk about in drawing. If you draw something on a piece of paper, put a shadow between the object and the paper. Like, let's say you're drawing a sphere. You put a shadow below the sphere and something that sphere is sitting on the paper. It's connected to the paper. It's part of the world. Uh, just like that song from Aladdin or whatever. No, Little Mermaid, right? Part of your world. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's the same thing with CG. And we talked about this a lot. We're like, when you have strong directional lighting for your scene and it's hitting like a CG object in the scene, it brings the two together because you have, you have lighting that unifies the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so we, we went back and we redid the scene and we did it with really strong side lighting. Um, and what this does is like it gives, you know, lets you see all the volume, lets you see all the shape of Luke. But the deep fake also does a good job of replicating that lighting. So it's playing to a strength of the deep fake plus just a strength of visual art, which is strong lighting binds the whole scene together. But we didn't stop there because we had our lighting move. Interactive just like, lighting. <laughs> interactive mm-hmm. lighting. Starting with, of course, the lightsaber. And if you played video games and you're into like graphics of video games, you'll notice how like static lighting is kind of cool. But once the light starts moving through a scene and shadows start moving and like, you know, the surfaces kind of feel like they change. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, ooh, I like Yummy that. My, my eyeballs <laughs> like that. <laughs> and so like, you know what? Let's do that too. So the lightsaber goes up by his face and then mm. he turns it off. And there's sparks because he just, you know, there's just a big fight. So like, you know, the door is broken behind him. So every once in a while, a big shower of sparks comes down and lights him up. And... All this lighting suddenly is like, it's like flexing. It's like flexing your CG. It's like, oh, yeah, I got a CG, Luke. Watch this. I can put lights wherever I want. Ooh, light on the left, right on the right. The lights are just spinning all over. It's like, wow, it looks really good while you're doing all that. It's like, sure does. (laughs) (laughs) CG flex. (laughs) But yeah, but everything from like, you know, having the lighting make his face match his shoulders to having the lighting make the person in the foreground match the background, it, it brings it all together and having it move makes it alive. I think we forgot to talk about why they put a CG head on the stunt double. Oh, you're right. On the on the on the on the Co- st- stunt double. The person who played who performed as Mark Hamill. Co- cover that real quick. Hmm? You talk about that real yeah, quick. Yeah, so the reason being is that a, Nico, you're always saying a deep fake is just a mask. You could put a mask on someone and they don't look like that person because everything else other than the face doesn't work. Right. And what that means is that, you know, if the shape of the head is wrong, you could put a deep fake on someone, but the shape is still wrong. Right. And and so what they ended up, that's why we think they had to use a CG head, because the, the person who was performing probably didn't have the same shape of head as Mark Hamill. So they had to actually create that shape from scratch by putting in Mark Hamill's head digitally yep. okay. and then deep fake it. That being said, having looked at a ton of pictures of Mark Hamill's face doing this deepfake and then looking back at the Mandalorian shot, I don't know if they did that. Because his <laughs> jaw yeah, is fat. It's different looking, right? Yeah. It's the, uh, that but was what probably, I was noticing today when we were shooting Dean. It was like, <laughs> wait a minute. That, 
That still doesn't look like Mark Hamill's yeah. head shape. It looks like they crossed Mark Hamill with like a football dude. <laughs> they football probably wanted dude. to make him feel a little bit older. I mean, I, I think that was a good description. He does kind of look like a cross between Mark Hamill and football dude. <laughs> but I think they wanted to look a little bit older. But it's also not just, you know, the head shape from the front. There's parts where he bends over to pick up Grogu, for example. Mm-hmm. A deep fake mm-hmm. only does your face. Like... Once I once you can't see my eyes and my mouth, like you're not in deepfake territory anymore, or my ears. Like, and that's why we think that whole shot was just a digi head. Yeah, that's and why they probably just had a digital head to begin with. It also lets them control the performance. You get into some things around, you know, like if Mark Hamill's not doing the performance. Is it okay for another dude to be doing the performance, or or do we need to capture Mark Hamill's performance, aka film him with a camera, then have an animator sent, you know, match the video to a CG head? Like, because mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's what they did. And they were know? very careful about having Mark Hamill involved every step of the process. Yeah. They so they don't to make, run into that weird territory. They want to make this, this Luke was played by Mark. Mm-hmm. They want to really make that clear. And so I, I bet yeah, you. It's, it's a lot about the messaging there. Yeah. It's, you know, he did the voice, which by the way was AI augmented. <laughs> it was completely resynthesized. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's a, there's a few lines where you can hear it where it yeah. sounds like Google Maps talking to you. <laughs> So they did, they, you know, he did the voice and they enhanced that. And he probably did the performance. He probably did like literally did the entire performance on. Uh, they've also probably had a face capture with him. Not like for three, not with tracking markers per se, but just a performance capture. And then they used all of that to inform the performance. And yeah, there's a body double there, but I don't, you know, his face probably isn't driving the animation. So that's another reason why they'd have a CG head. Cause so, then they can say that Mark did the performance. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that up is because. We are shooting with Dean. Yeah. We chose Dean because his face structure is the closest out of all of us to match Mark Hamill. He also loves Star Wars. And yeah, he, you know, <laughs> this is his dream come true. He is literally, he was born for this role. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so we're like, okay, cool. Problem solved, right? Correct head shape. And then we shot it. <laughs> and then we discovered, oh yeah, there's a lot more to it than just head shape. It's the neck, it's the shoulders, the it's hair. the posture, the hair. Uh, the ears. The ears, yeah. yeah. And we're oh. like, wow, that's Mark Hamill's face, but what is this monstrosity? <laughs> it's like, we, we thought we were on the right track and we got it totally Hamill. wrong. <laughs> so. We had to redo the whole thing. We redid, we, yeah. But we used that as an informative lesson because mm-hmm. we knew, okay, so... Uh, Dean's neck is longer than Mark Hamill's. He's got shoulders that kind of slope downwards more than Mark as well. And so that we essentially just kind of costumed him up. Mm-hmm. We added shoulder pads. We uh, we got we a wig. We dolled him up. Hmm? We dolled him up. Yeah, yeah. We got him the Queen's Gambit wig. No, and, no, it was the uh, Julie Andrews uh, Sound of Music wig. Oh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> we got him a wig, and we styled it to look as closely as possible to Mark Hamill's hair. Also, Shout we, out to we, Jordan for doing yeah, Jordan a great job. Kidding. We literally spray painted the wig, by the way, yeah. with brown spray paint. Yeah, because <laughs> I went red. in there, I was like, is it possible to make it less, like, clumpy? And she's like, yeah, but every time I comb it, all the paint comes out. And I was like, oh, oh, gotcha, okay, that's okay. But, okay, so <clears throat> that was our first lesson, is like, okay, we got pretty close to... At, through this whole time, we are training, doing all the deep fake stuff in the background yeah. and getting a pretty solid model of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Matching, trained off of Dean's face. And by the way, the 3090 is amazing. Yeah. What, a, what an amazing GPU. I have never gotten a model with a million iterations before. Really? Really. Wow. But I did on Whee! this project. Wow. A million iterations. A million? It's crazy. The Keanu Reeves one was like 150,000. 
Yeah, Dang, you know, that's, a, that's the thing because we, and that was at 128 <laughs> pixels. <laughs> I feel like we entered the scene of deepfakes pretty early on ish yeah. uh, in the scope of things with the Tom Cruise and, and uh, Keanu Reeves videos. Mm. But those were two years ago. I know. Like, dude, looking back looking at that back Tom on them, Cruise one. It's like, ooh, baby deepfake. Honestly, looking back on the Tom Cruise one, I don't think it's that good. Dude, no. but honestly, props to you, Nico, for diving in headfirst <laughs> right committed. when that stuff hard uh, And especially started. with the title, we made the world's best deepfake. <laughs> At the time, nobody had done anything like it. it. That is true, because it wasn't. It was more than just the deepfake visual. It was combining it with the performance. That yeah. was the special magic we brought to the table with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the special magic we brought to the table here as well. Yeah. Because Luke's performance, in my opinion, sorry if anybody who worked in the Mandalorians listened to this, but I thought it was pretty wooden. And that's the thing wooden? number two. Wooden. I was going to say stone. <laughs> no, it was it was very stiff. It was like, you can, I, I definitely got the feeling that everyone on set was like, all right, we don't really know what we're doing. Let's play this safer than safe. Yeah. Which don't is do weird. anything. Just nod your head like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is I Because am. if they hadn't done that, it would have been much better. Well, unless they unless they couldn't handle the animation. Yeah, that's sure. that's the risk. Yeah. You know, is that like if they did try to go a little bit more and then they couldn't deliver, mm-hmm. they're screwed. It's like, yeah, what's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, just not delivering the final effect shots for the finale of Disney's <laughs> biggest show in the world right now. Yeah. That's yeah. what's at stake. The stakes are high. <laughs> so play it safer than safe. It's a steakhouse. <laughs> it makes sense. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that we don't have to do at a YouTube studio, but they have to do. Okay, but still, you just like... Okay, last take. Let's do one where you're more expressive. Go. And then you just have it. (laughs) You're right, Peter. But, you know, once you get editing, you still got to commit to the safer. Yeah, that's true. Again, we're we're still talking about traditional workflows and pipelines. And it's like, yeah, we we as a YouTube studio, we have we have. (laughs) Let's just push the video today. We have Luke Skywalker (laughs) giving the Tashi station line. And that is not something ILM or or Disney would have ever put out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we have the lighting, but then deepfakes handle performances pretty well. So we're going harder on the performance. We're changing the angles on the head. He's looking around. He's moving a little bit. Like, it's just we are constantly demonstrating, like, hey, this isn't flat. This is real. It moves. It looks. It breathes. It smiles. It reacts. There's lights that shine on it. It's there. It's real. And then the crazy thing about all this is that at no point are we touching a 3D model. It's all driven by a human being. (laughs) Yeah. Good classic makeup. Like we spent more than an hour on that wig. We spent multiple hours <laughs> tracking wigs down and all that kind of stuff. Oh like, yeah, it wasn't hard work spent on our computer. That was hard work spent just getting stuff looking good. Once again, shout out to Jordan Christian for all that hard work. Dude, I mean pre-production. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's like that's the theme of the Mandalorian is pre-production. Yeah, the whole idea behind stagecraft is you have to mm. do all your VFX first. Yeah, <laughs> you have to create your scenes. You have to create your environments and textures and all that stuff and build it out, and then. You build out your set and then you film it. And then you're yeah. done. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's like a defect was a part of this, but also just putting in the time to like get the costume right and to get the wig right, to get the performance right, to get the lines right. We we had Dean match the the cadence, you know, so we can use the lines that are already from the show. Dean's a good actor, by the way. Yeah, he did, he did a great a job. job performing. Oh, and that's the other crazy thing about all this. It's not just a performance. It's a puppet. Yes. Okay. I think I know where you're about to go with this too. Yeah. And this is another thing that I think Hollywood really struggles with. Some actors totally get this because some actors are pros, but other actors have different ways they've learned. (laughs) Some actors are not pros. Yeah. But I think a lot of the people that do work on like the big movies, like in the Marvels and things like that, I think they understand this concept of being a puppet because that's kind of what you are sometimes, or you're the puppet master. In this case, 
The deep fake is being driven by the puppet master. The puppet master is Dean, and he's using his face to drive the puppet. You know, the mask that is the deep fake. So, for example, Luke, his eyebrows don't sit as low as Dean's eyebrows do. So if Dean relaxes his face, it looks like Luke is kind of furrowing his brows. So Dean needs to raise his eyebrows a little bit to just look like a normal, neutral Luke Skywalker. Yeah, so Dean, as Luke Skywalker, is walking around with a mildly surprised look on his face. <laughs> just yep. to deliver a Luke that is, you know, passive. Normal, yeah. And that's that's a thing where, like, as a performer and as an actor, you need to be able to do these things and then set that, like, calibrate that as your neutral point and then act on top of that. Mm. And but once again, this is something we learned from basically shooting it going through the process and going, huh. He looks angry. Yeah. <laughs> he looks yeah. creepy. He's <laughs> <all> stealing <laughs> that baby. I don't know what he's going to do with it. <laughs> exactly. Also, we learned that uh, when you give Luke uh, Dean's jawline, he turns into Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plus the, plus the brow furrow. Just yeah. a the brow furrow. Then it's exactly Henry Cavill. I think it's the, the chin and cleft. the cleft jaw, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, like, having Dean not just do a performance, you know, just go out there, I'm just Luke Skywalker and doing his thing, like, but having him drive the mask as a puppet master, knowing that he has to raise his eyebrows more as a neutral pose and the things he does from there changes the expression. His smiles need to be bigger than usual. Mark Hamill doesn't show the t his top row of teeth very often. He smiles and, like, expresses with his yeah, bottom row like of teeth. Like, never. Yeah. And Dean is <laughs> the opposite. So we have some really weird looking deep fakes where Dean smiles and then like it's Mark Hamill smiling and you're like, ugh. What? <laughs> like baby teeth. <laughs> see, where all these teeth come from? Because that's that's the crazy thing about a deep fake is that if an image for a pose hasn't ever been captured, it cannot generate it. Exactly. It can only generate what it's already seen. And so because there is no images of Mark Hamill smiling with his top teeth, when you're trying to make a deep fake Mark Hamill smile with his top top uh, teeth. The deepfake uh, AI doesn't really know what to do. It's like, like eh, uh, um, how about this? Here's some teeth because it did all the pre-training on just a whole bunch of human faces, mm -hmm. but they're not Mark Hamill's teeth. So it ends up kind of looking like a little monstrous. <laughs> yeah, you get some weird, horrible stuff. From, mm -hmm. from the training I was doing, I was definitely seeing anytime we are looking up his face, like mm -hmm. looking if you could see both nostrils, it was just like burn victim fake <laughs> okay that being said have you seen it recently because in the last over the weekend it fully figured those out and it definitely really? looks jankier but we have the on my model angles still like not those quite now. there yet. Oh, really <laughs> on the one on my computer it's it's pretty dang good dang. yeah okay so progress report uh we shot we reshot dean today with, with updated wig, wig updated costume, costume updated performance uh all that stuff <clears throat> And you've already run a single export of a deep fake over the top of that. Yes. Literally what, the right. We were late to this podcast because we were seeing the results of it for the first time. Yeah. And what that means is that it's not been trained on that yet. We haven't done any compositing either. No magic. It's literally like, all right, here's some new inputs. Export now. No training. No time. Just export what you got. <laughs> and it looked pretty dang good it looked pretty dang good even it's got it's super rough it's got a lot of rough edges to it but even that is just like mm -hmm. oh my god like yeah we might actually do it we might actually do it and that's the crazy thing is like we might actually do it i think we are managing to deliver a shot that when he takes his hood off people go like holy cow that's luke skywalker yeah and the scene continues and it's just he's here he's mm -hmm. real he's in the scene performing and there's no weirdness about it. There's, there's no lips moving weird. There's no 3D rendering incorrectly. There's no lighting acting up. It's just natural. 
and nothing inside of me outside of my brain knowing that luke can't be there is telling me that it's wrong mm-hmm. i mean it, yeah it's still not at 100 percent yet not at 100 percent yet but, but it's it's the the potential is so obvious that it's just like wow like when we started off this whole project like we threw around title ideas of like we did luke skywalker better than disney and it's like you know the <laughs> clickbait type thing there and at the at the same time i'm like ah but like probably we probably won't though we'll probably get like kind of close but like mm-hmm. it's probably not gonna actually be better <laughs> but after seeing today i'm like well crap i mean yeah it's kind of better <laughs> like wow <laughs> it's kind of better and like that's that's the thing too is like you know there's like the youtuber edge on things like oh disney <laughs> like my shot's better i need to use a 500 dollars computer like yeah no disrespect to the people who worked super hard on this stuff <laughs> like, but like, all these people who spent hours and hours yeah but the thing is like you know now that like you know i we're all we try to be respectful like because that world is so tough and there's so much going on like i'm not going to get into it here but like so to just be like oh we're gonna make it better like it's like no you're not like, even if it looks better visually, like, you have no idea the constraints they had. Like, there's no yeah. way you could deliver what they delivered in the amount of time they had. They're still better. Because they're the pros. <laughs> they're the pros. But. <laughs> but that being said, results speak for themselves. Yes. It's an, it's an explicit, like, objective result that we are going to deliver to the internet. And it, we'll see what the internet just, thinks. Just the, the incomplete stuff I was seeing today, I was, I was kind of blown away. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, all right. Um, title this video whatever you want now. I, I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, it just so, seems it's so arrogant when we when we kind of like call it like that. But at the same yeah, time, yeah, yeah. it's like if you can back it up, and it's that kind of title that gets views. It's like, mm-hmm. eh, I don't know. We, arrogance we haven't really is confident talked. without. It, wait, what is it? Arrogance is confidence without proof. But we got proof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, subjective proof we haven't we haven't i mean sam's first reaction was like oh that looks fake <laughs> Dude, that was that literally was his first reaction after all of us were like wow this looks so good and sam's like oh i thought you just pull yanking our chain man i mean maybe maybe <laughs> i think he's just know. trying to keep our heads from getting too high in those clouds <sighs> whatever makes sam. you sleep at night nico <laughs> or was it just a play on the word deep fake I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it, yeah. That being said, we are now currently full on in effects mode now. Yeah. Uh, Clint's kicking out some keyed out shots because we shot Dean against a... <laughs> it was a whole other <laughs> weird story. It was a green screen, blue screen. <laughs> we a lit a green screen, screen with blue lights to make it a blue screen. The official term is grew screen. <laughs> Gr- grew screen? Grew goose screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a whole other weird thing. I don't know how much we talk about that in the video, but yeah. Anyway, that's why I thought we just took a green screen and blasted it with blue lights, so now it's a blue screen. (laughs) But it worked so well. It it worked really well. (laughs) It worked really well. (laughs) The whole idea is that we don't have a blue screen, but he's got a green lightsaber. He can't just have a green lightsaber on a green screen. So we'll just light the green screen with blue light. (laughs) Yeah, because about a while back, I can't remember who it was. Might have been Carmichael. We were lighting a green screen. He's like, "You turn the light to green." I'm like, "Wait." Our lights can do any color now, and you just made the light green. So, the green screen is more green. <laughs> Genius! You don't need any other colors in the green screen. Why yeah. would you ever use any other colors? And it makes it way easier to key out. Yeah. But then there's the whole like, oh no, we need a blue screen. But what if? <laughs> if you only provided the blue spectrum of light. Yeah, and and shooting it that way created a lot of blue lights and a lot of mm-hmm. blue spill and that overall influenced the final shot a lot mm-hmm. more because you once you're done with the green screen sorry once you're done with the the lightsaber 
you turned off the blue light and went back to the stock green screen. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, that doesn't look good at all. No. I was like, it's just, it's, I mean, yeah, it's on a green screen, but like the lighting is all different. Yeah. And it's because you're actually lighting the scene differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause all the Luke Skywalker deep fakes, you know, they're trained from the images from return of the Jedi in this case. And the movie is either shot outdoors and daylight's kind of bluish or it's shot at nighttime with blue lights. <laughs> there isn't a lot of Luke Skywalker shot with green lights, but there's a lot of Luke Skywalker shot with blue lights or at least point. slightly blue lights. So even if the blue is like a little spill suppressed out, like you still have that influence on the skin tone and it just, the deep fake looked better with that blue influence versus the green influence. Yeah. So that's, I guess our, our final step here is we're actually compositing in a different background with mm-hmm. the stuff that we shot of Dean and we're making final VFX shots as if Dean is the new actor playing Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. not Mark Hamill. And so then that's that's our final shot. And that's what we're taking to actually run through the deep fake. Our final, once all the training is done, we're going to train it on those final composited shots. Yes. And why is that, Nico? Because the deep fake, you know, it, it doesn't exist in the world of floating point and high bit depth, this and that, and, you know, raw imagery. It's just, you're going to give it color and it's going to give you the face, a different face, same colors. Boom. That's it. So we want to do that at the end once we have all our colors locked in. Just do the face swap then, done. I mean, because maybe, the, uh, the keying process where you take out the green screen exactly. changes some of the colors. Yeah, because you have the spill suppression. It's going to mute the blues or mute the greens. Mm-hmm. Where you get some of the tones. green lighting on the edge of the actor, you have to do a process to remove that. Yes. So it influences the colors. Yeah. Yeah, which is a really tricky thing about green screens and blue screens is that you end up with the green and blue light hitting your actor and it's not particularly pretty mm-hmm. and then you have edges that you know if you have hair you're trying to key out all that stuff yeah man, I, i'm, I'm subtly a, shifting uh, this back to a, a volume yeah man, talk here. if only we had an led wall you know what guys huh. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna somehow make an ai that can do green screen keying smartly and then we won't have to worry about this anymore oh, but man. will it put the lighting from the surrounding set on the actor you know in the world of ai that might be entirely possible. I, awesome. <laughs> I'm all for it. I think all of this stuff, this AI talk, deep learning, machine, uh, neural nets, all this stuff. I think I said some words out of order there. But the, the neural nets. This is evolving far more rapidly than I think n- most people realize. Yeah. This is evolving at a really fast rate, an exponential rate. And I don't think people fully recognize that rate. Yeah. I think we're just realizing in a very limited slice of our life, you know, here's a deep fake. And it's like, whoa, this is game changing for us. Not just because I can go and make a character, but like to just realize a digital human so well and in a way that doesn't involve 3D animation or even really a ton of input from the creator. Like it just does it. Dude, if you want some existential dread, don't watch Black Mirror. Watch Two Minute Papers on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Dude, oh man, the Dolly AI. Yeah. We're going to hit a point here. We, this is another podcast for another time, but yeah, we should talk about AI in VFX in general, which happens to be next quarter crew video. Ooh, also, fancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, using uh, using AI tools for VFX. It's yep. kind of a new new thing. The dude who played I forget his name. He was the lead actor in Ready Player One. Do you remember his name? Mm, oh. No. Oh, I know it. I, it's right on my tongue. I want to say his name was like Ty or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's something Ty like Sheridan. That. That's him? Yeah. Okay. He wow. started a VFX company primarily using AI tools. What? Him, the actor? Yeah. Epic. Right? That's pretty <laughs> sweet. I forget that. I, I literally forget all of the important details. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's like him and some partners 
are just trying to leverage uh, the evolving AI landscape of computer-generated VFX tools. Wow. And he's got a VFX company now. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. Huh. Uh, but that, that's about all I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> the tricky thing is making a company that leverages AI for like non-AI things before the pendulum swings so far that just AI does the entire thing. Yeah. It's like, Oof. I'll have AI to do my rotoscoping. It's like, you know, you can just the AI can make the whole scene, right? It's like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. You know, AI can just make the whole movie though, right? Oh, yeah, I guess I don't need that that thing that does the scene. I'll just have it make the whole movie. You know, AI made movies obsolete and you just live within another reality, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. I, I can definitely foresee in the future, like, I don't know how many years out. It's whatever many years you think it's going to be, it's going to be less, but it's... At, at some point, we're going to have a stamp of pride that this was made by humans. Oh, man. This script was written by a person. Mm-hmm. The person who did this effect was a person. <laughs> person. Yeah, you know, you talk to people and it's like, yeah, but the AI will never replicate the human spirit. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. Human spirit's pretty replicatable. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention just AI-assisted everything. It's like mm-hmm. writing a script. It's like, oh, what should happen next? We're like, well, if you look at all the other scripts that have ever been written, um, here's the three best ideas you could do. It's like, oh, I'll do that one. Remember the next scene? Like, oh, what's, what's this character's name? It's like, well, if you look at all the stories that are written, uh, here's the best three names for this moment. It's like, that's a good one. <laughs> Actually, yeah. No, that's that's the idea behind generative design. I know mm-hmm. I'm starting to go off of, uh, on a new tangent here at the end of this podcast, but uh, generative design is the idea in like CAD modeling. You say you got to design a structure or a chair, for instance. You just input like some constraints like, okay, it must have four points of contact with the ground and it must hold this much weight at this height. Mm. And then it literally designs thousands of, of models with different kind of constraints and all like you end up with these really weird organic shapes just to design a chair and you go through and it's like, okay, all of these ones, not really what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking more at like these. And then it takes those and it expands another thousand just off oh of those God. few designs. <laughs> and you slowly just start like picking and choosing until you iterate like literally hundreds of thousands of different designs to choose just the one that you want to pick. So it's like when you use that Google Images trick where you like Google Image search one thing and then you look at the visually sim- similar yeah. images and you go to that and then you just keep doing it until you find what you want. Yeah, Pretty generative much. design. It's, wow. it's a brand that's new that's, I mean, Peter, that's an AI thing too. Right? Yeah. yeah I mean, all the, the Google Image stuff thing. is AI driven also. It's Wild. the exact same thing. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> How many bicycles are in these pictures? <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's the other thing. We are training. Oh, every right. time you log into a website, we are training the internet. Look, a little, a little story here to wrap up this podcast. Okay, this will be the last thing. All right. So I get hit with one of those capture things, right? Identify the parking meters. So somebody took a bunch of pictures in this neighborhood that had mailboxes that kind of looked like parking meters. But they're clearly mailboxes. Well, apparently most of the people aren't spending any time looking at the pictures because it wouldn't let me continue until I clicked on a dang mailbox to tell us that it was a parking meter. Really? I was like, that's not a parking meter. It's like, you need to click on it, otherwise you're not a human. It's like, man, you've had a lot of people who are lazy just click on your captures. Like, this is not a parking meter. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was like, wow. I had to to betray the AI. I'm like, that's a a mailbox. So if you pull up in 2050 to a parking spot in front of a mailbox, they're like, please pay for your parking. (laughs) That's exactly what's going to (laughs) happen. Or honestly, I mean, that's probably the stuff like when you drive the Tesla and like the Tesla sees things with its AI. I mean, that's probably like one of the sources they pull their data from. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah. Wild. You see cool. a little parking meter icon pop up in your next to a mailbox. Yeah, that's where human judgment will still be a, a pretty strong force for the foreseeable future, even in spite of all the the AI advancements. It's like 
at the end of the day, you know, an AI can be incredibly well-trained and incredibly uh, capable, but it still will not have a broad macro sense of judgment. Yeah, as far as we know. For, for a while. Yeah. It'll eventually get there. It'll eventually get there. But that's general AI. And now yeah. we're talking like freaking, what's the 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 ultimatum thing? The Oh, the singularity? Singularity, mm. yeah. Yeah. But that's that's a podcast for another time. <laughs> Until then, enjoy the Luke Skywalker deepfake when it yeah. comes out on Sunday. I'm so excited for this. Oh my god, this is like yeah. this is a big deal. It's gonna be fun. Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks for watching, cool. everyone. Thank Thanks you. for listening on all of your different uh, platforms of choice. Mm-hmm. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing. It's also pretty much everywhere that you can listen to podcasts, Spotify, etc. You know, mm-hmm. go check it out. Um, Follow Corridor Digital on Etsy. Um, <laughs> But yeah, now we have to make an Etsy account on first. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> otherwise someone else is going to make it. You know, on network television, if they said a website name and the website didn't exist, they had like they, they had, had to, to. They had to make it. Make it. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You could just say a website without the website being yours or whatever. Yeah. It's a weird rule, but kind of yeah. makes sense. Huh. Uh, anyway. Yeah. All right, thanks for watching. Yeah. And mm-hmm. see you Bye. next week. Hopefully see you guys in another podcast Bye. soon. Bye.